When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you hear the word kidnapping, you probably have an image in your head like you see in the movies. A woman walking alone down some dark alley and getting grabbed from behind and drug into a nearby doorway and never seen again. Or a child that's out on a playground in a sea of other children and the next thing you know, that child is nowhere to be seen. You may also think of more famous kidnapping cases like Patty Hearst, Adam Walsh, or Charles Lindbergh Jr. While cases like that do happen and can make headlines both locally, nationally, and even internationally, thousands and thousands of kidnappings fly under the radar, barely getting any media attention and only getting a response and investigation from law enforcement. The episode today will have a few of those types of cases, and the first one, you'll really have to listen closely. Welcome back to Music City 911. Is there a lever? 
listen, listen. And most drunk in your car is a lever. Okay, can you pull that lever? Is the car stopped? I would pull that lever and take off running. Why not?
He believed that he had been in the trunk of the car, moving around for about 15 to 20 minutes. A good vehicle description was given, including his own license plate number. This gave something for the police to look for when they got close to the location of the GPS signal. When Ronald was asked who did this, and it was sort of hard to hear, he said Deb and said she was a friend. Towards the end of the call, the GPS stopped updating. The car had stopped. You can hear Ronald talking with his abductors at the end, him saying that he wouldn't tell anyone. That's where the call we heard ended. Police located Ronald's car a few minutes later inside Prospect Park. What they found around the car matched what was heard in the minutes of the call that wasn't released. Ronald's friend, or as he stated, not really friend, Deborah Oliver, had been staying with him in his home for a few days. A mutual friend of theirs named Cameo Harris said Deb had called Ronald her roommate. Cameo had known Deb since childhood and Harris for around 10 years. She later painted a picture for police of what happened leading up to just before the 911 call was placed. Cameo stated that the three of them were together around 2 a.m. on April 11th when they went out looking for alcohol. Deb was driving, Cameo was in the front seat, and Ronald was in the back seat. When they got close to a McDonald's at the corner of 6th Avenue and University, a man named Earl Carmichael, along with another man named John Deering, were sitting on the side of McDonald's drinking alcohol. They flagged down Deb. John Deering was also a longtime friend of both Deb and Cameo. They got in the car with others and went to a close-by market called Quick Trip, but it was already too late to buy alcohol. Their plans changed, and they went to a nearby drug house to try to score something. While on the way to the house, Cameo noticed John was in what he said was kind of a happy mood, but was moving fast, and Deb kept telling him to calm down and be quiet. When they got to the house, Cameo got out of the car and was about to go in when she noticed Deb and John had also exited the car and started arguing face-to-face. Earl and Ronald stayed in the car. When Cameo came out, the argument had escalated a bit. She said that John was being aggressive towards both her and Deb. She then said that Deb told Ronald to get in the front seat of the car and then saw Deb grab John by the shirt. She was bigger than John, and she said she wasn't going to let him put his hands on her. Deb got back in the car and drove away, leaving John behind. They later dropped off Cameo. At the point she left the rest of the crew, nothing was terribly wrong. After that, Deb said they continued driving around and later dropped off Earl. It's not known exactly what happened after that, but sometime later, John was picked back up. Circling back around to the 911 call, at around five minutes into the call, we got to hear at the end, come on, just let me go. I'm not going to tell nothing. The minutes after that were played and later documented in court records, reading directly from the court documents. After five minutes, John said, he's out, he's out, he's going to sleep. Deb replied, no, he's not, no, he's not. John then said, drop it on his head, throw it on his head. One of the kidnappers then repeated, get the brick, 
get the brick. After six minutes, John implored, enough, Deb, he's out. Listening to the mayhem, the dispatcher exclaimed, oh, they're hitting him. At that point, the predominant sound on the recording was the victim's grossly abnormal breathing. After seven minutes, Oliver said, come on, it's late. After nine minutes, John urged, get my coat. One of the kidnappers excitedly repeated, drag him, drag him by the leg. He's got a fake leg. Just drag him, grab a leg, grab, grab somewhere. Okay. You're ready. After 10 minutes, John said, come on, Deb. Then the call was disconnected. When police got to the GPS location of Ronald's phone, they found his car with a busted out back window. They then spotted a large pool of blood with drag marks leading toward a nearby wooded area. Right at the edge of the woods, they found Ronald severely injured, bleeding from the head, where he had a noticeable concave skull fracture. He was beaten for minutes in the head with a brick. 20 feet away from Ronald, they found Deb and took her into custody. John was nowhere to be found. Paramedics were called and took Ronald to a hospital where emergency surgery was given and doctors managed to keep him alive. But he did suffer irreversible brain damage. Shortly after the call disconnected, a school bus driver saw a man running across the road close by the park but couldn't easily identify the man because he was wearing a hood or a stocking cap. John later showed up at his mother's house with a swollen face. He told her that he was jumped. He then went to an emergency room and was treated. Later on in the day, he met with a vocational counselor about finding a place to stay. He told the counselor that his busted lip was from a fight with his brother-in-law. The counselor noticed that he also had bruised knuckles and they were bleeding. John then told the counselor that his coat, which contained his ID, were stolen from a YMCA earlier in the day. Back at the crime scene, police were scouring the area for evidence. They found a bloodied brick and two busted cell phones, one belonging to the victim. They also found a right-handed black glove with blood on the palm. Inside Ronald's car, they found a black leather jacket that contained handwritten notes that had times for appointment that matched up with John's appointments. The notes were written on stationery from the Royal Motel where John had been staying. Also inside the jacket was John's ID. The glove was later tested and John's DNA was found on the inside of it and the blood on the palm matched Ronald. John was later found and arrested at his motel room there at the Royal Motel. He told police that he didn't know Deb or Ronald and that his injuries were from a fight with some dude he met at a local bar called Blazing Saddles. Both John Deering and Deborah Oliver were charged with kidnapping in the first degree, a Class A felony, attempt to commit murder, a Class B felony, and willful injury, a Class C felony, and were convicted in trial and each sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Deborah was a previously violent person as well, having been convicted of second-degree murder for the stabbing death of a man in 1981. Due to his injuries, Ronald required 24-hour round-the-clock care. He wasn't able to recognize family members and later had to be moved to Veterans Hospital, 
about a year after the attack, Ronald Karras died from complications from his injuries. Definitely the status of the emergency. Yeah. Okay. What's the problem today? Uh, my girlfriend, she's sick. Uh, uh, like, not sure if it's an allergic reaction or if there was possibly something in the food that somebody gave her. Um, but like, she's been puking. Um, I'm super spacey, like it's hard to talk, and like my hands and my feet and my arms are super numb. Is are you having difficulty swallowing? I feel like my breathing is jacked up too. Okay. Do you feel like your throat is swelling? I don't know. Like my face is numb, like up to my cheekbones. And I've puked like five times now, and I don't know if it's an allergic reaction or if they drugged me with something. I was fine, and then I ate a cupcake. I ate one, I was fine, I ate another one, and then my face started instantly going numb. Okay. And then they kept asking if I was getting tired or not. Where was this at? Something at my house, like something's wrong with me. Who, do you think someone might have drugged you? Yeah, I don't when know did this they happen. Or, um, at like seven when I ate the cupcakes. Who are the people that might have drugged you? Where are they? Uh, they're gone now. They are uh, where my uh, they, my kids is photographer. Okay. They gave you the cupcake. Yeah. Okay. I All tell right. you, something's wrong with me. Like, okay. I don't feel good. Yeah, I'm we're gonna get safety. somebody out there. Okay. When did you he have the cupcake? Uh, so, so it was about that same time frame. So she gave me a glass and it was, it ended up being wine. And I had a sip of that when I found out it was wine. And then she gave me the cupcakes that ate one. It tastes fine. And then the second one, I instantly started feeling. Okay. And you started getting the reaction. Have you ever reacted to food like this before? No. Okay. All right. What's your name? Elisha, E-L-Y-S-I-A. Elisha, did you also want the police to respond to report this? No, at the moment, I just need to figure out what's wrong with me. Because okay. after they left, like, I couldn't find my house keys or my car keys. Okay. So they were missing. Are you sure you don't want and the police they, to also contact you? I guess they can, yeah. That's PD, fine. are you still on the line? Now, let me get you transferred back over to the police, okay, Alicia? Only because of the suspicious nature, okay? So just a second okay, here. thank you. Yeah, you bet. Alicia, go ahead and talk to my partner, okay? Okay. Hey there, Alicia. This is, this is the police dispatch. Okay, sounds like they got a place better for you. The person that you think drugged you, are they still there with you? No. No, they're not? Okay. Okay, and uh, who do you think it is that drugged you? Uh, they were my, photo- my photographer for my kids. Okay, and how long ago were they with you? Uh, they were here about seven, and then they stayed for like a couple hours, and then they left. And when they left, I couldn't find my car keys or my house keys, and then she ended up saying that she had them with her for some reason. She said she took them by accident and didn't know she had them. <sighs> And then she had someone put them back on my front door, but wouldn't tell me who the person was, just a friend of hers. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I was fine. And okay. 
at oh, four so when I got home. Cause did, I, did the person ever actually return your keys? Yeah, they brought my keys back. Some random, she had a friend bring them back. So you do have your keys But though. I was, yeah, I have my keys now. And I was fine until I ate a cupcake. And then after I ate the cupcake, I made a comment about my tongue and my face started tingling. And then it's gotten worse after that, after that. And then they kept asking me if I was tired and how I was feeling. Okay. And then there was drugs in the cupcake. I think there was, or it was like an allergic reaction, something, but it's not adding up. Okay. Like there's something wrong. Okay, gotcha. What is what is your what is your first and last name? Elisha E L Y S I A. Okay. Let well, me get a phone number for you, Elisha. Please, I'm like, oh, I'm still there? Yeah. Okay. What's your photographer's name? What's her name? Oh. Juliet Parker. Juliet Parker, okay. Is she white, black, Asian, Hispanic? She's white. How old is she? Uh, 40s. 40s, okay. What's your date of birth? Okay. I'll go and let you go. Okay, I know you're having a hard time giving me info. Um, if anything changes, just give us a call right back and let us know, okay? Okay, thank you. No problem, bye Alicia Miller had answered an ad on Facebook from a woman that said she did free photography for babies. In the ad, it stipulated that she only wanted women who were at least 37 weeks pregnant or had babies that were less than a week old. After meeting a few times with a photographer, 38-year-old Juliet Parker, Alicia had her baby. She met on three different days to take pictures of the newborn. On the third day, she came to the house with her 16-year-old daughter. They brought a bottle of wine and cupcakes that she had just baked. The cupcakes were split into three different groups, and Alicia was urged to eat one of each, though she was the only one there that was given a cupcake from the second group. She washed that down with a glass of wine. Immediately, she started feeling bad. She noticed something was wrong. Her hands and feet were numb. It was hard to talk or breathe, and she told the dispatcher she felt super spacey. She had also vomited several times. The photographer and her daughter were asked multiple times to leave by both Alicia and her boyfriend, but didn't leave until they saw Alicia lay down. On their way out, Alicia noticed that Juliet wiped off her drinking glasses and noticed that her house keys were missing. Alicia went to the hospital where she was treated and later had her blood tested. Her symptoms were noted to be similar with someone who had consumed GHB, otherwise known as a date rape drug. An investigation into the photographer was started up. During various questioning, it was found out that her plan was to go to the victim's house, drug her with a laced cupcake and wine, and then kidnap her newborn baby. Her ill intentions began even before posting her ads on Facebook, of which she posted under three different names, Juliet Parker, Juliet Noel, and Juliet Gaines. After questioning an old boyfriend, they found that Juliet had asked him how to get the drug GHB and talked about taking a child from a homeless person and raising it together in a nice house. She also offered to marry him on the spot if he could find her a baby girl. It was also found out that Juliet visited other women that had contacted her via the Facebook ad. 
she promised free photography for the newborns going to each house with her daughter and telling the mothers they could use the time to sleep shower or eat with two hands she would take pictures of the baby with a nikon camera then take selfies with the baby and herself with her cell phone both juliet and her 16 year old daughter were arrested and charged with second degree assault and second degree attempted kidnapping bell for juliet ended up being $150,000 which her father paid juliet's past is an absolute roller coaster in 2014 she was charged in u.s district court with larceny and trespassing at a military base in washington state she told police she was hiking and wasn't aware she'd been on property belonging to the military when she was there she found some old ammunition and took it home with her she was also charged with reckless burning in the second degree when she and her then boyfriend were trying to dismantle a 20 millimeter shell they had found and it exploded in their faces they were initially charged in that with possession of an explosive device third degree assault and reckless endangerment but pled down to the charge of second degree reckless burning and were both given suspended sentences that's the downside bit of the roller coaster what's even more surprising and on the upward end of the ride Juliet was once a mayoral candidate for the city of Colorado Springs, Colorado, the second largest city in the state. She lost to the incumbent, but managed to still gain over 11% of the votes, edging out several other candidates. From all searches, it seems that Juliet is still out free on bond, awaiting trial. The last call, well, you just won't believe it. Nine one one. What's the address of your emergency? I don't know. He didn't call me. Oh. What's the address? I don't know. The address. I don't know where we are. Are you at a house? Are you know at a business or a home? We have been home. Okay. I need to know the address where you are, or I can't help you. Can you find a piece of mail or ask someone there? Are you standing in on Main Street near home? What city are you in? Oh, Santa Cruz. Is there someone there that knows the address? I'm sorry, I was with a lady on Main Street. Can you see a number on a business or anything? Is there a police station or there? Okay, I need you to take a deep breath and find the address for me. Is there some mail or is there a number on the building? No, we're not at the building or in the road. What's the phone number you're calling from? I don't know the phone number. It's this lady's phone to you. Her phone to me. What's the emergency there? I can't, I can't understand what you're saying. I need you to take a deep breath and tell me what's wrong. Okay, I can't understand what, what's going on. What happened? Hello? He took us in their car. Someone took you in his car? Yeah. Are you still in the car? No, we got out of the car. Are you okay right now? I'm in the road. I don't know what to do. Where's the person that took you? I don't know where they went, but you're alone. I don't know what happened. Okay. Are they still there with you? No, they're gone. Okay. I need you to take a deep breath. What's your name? My name is Amber. Amber, can you take a deep breath for me? Okay, are you in the street? 
He were in the street and his cars. Okay, how long ago did he leave? Like, I don't know, like 10 minutes. 10 minutes ago? What kind of car was it? It was a red car. I don't know what kind. A, like a sedan or a truck or an SUV? I think it was an SUV. Do you know the license plate number? I don't know the license plate number. Which direction did they go? I don't know. I don't know where we are. Do they go towards the mountains? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Do they go towards the freeway? I don't know where that is. Okay. The police station is west of you. Did they go towards the police station? No, they went away from us. On the, the opposite street. direction? They from us. So, like, yeah. they were going towards the freeway? I don't know where the freeway is. Okay. Amber, I have some help coming to you. I need you to take a deep breath, okay? Are you by yourself? No, they my friend, too. Okay. How old are you? I'm 16. And you're in the street? I see okay, a police car. Is the officer with you right now? Amber, what's your last name? How do you spell it? And your date of birth? And what's your friend's name? Name. Okay. Amber, I can't understand you. Amber, I can't understand what you're saying. Can you spell out Bree's name? B-R-E-E. Okay, do you need an ambulance? I don't know. Are you hurt? My hurts, but I think it's right. I don't know. Okay, can you see the police car? Yeah, he stopped here right now. He's not with me now. Okay. Freed her friend as well. They then ran from the SUV. 
A while later, they approached a woman at a stoplight and asked to use their cell phone to call 911. The driver said one of the girls had duct tape around her neck and mouth. The girls later described the suspects to the police. One of the men in his early to mid-twenties with light brown hair and a tattoo on his left arm, and the second was taller than the other, probably mid-thirties, with dark hair. The woman had longer blonde hair and was between 25 and 35 years old. The girls were found 75 miles away from home in the town of Santa Quinn. Police in the area were on the lookout for that red SUV. They started questioning potential witnesses and went to close-by businesses to see if anything was caught on their security cameras. When police checked the footage of a convenience store in a neighboring town, they got a huge break in the case, though it wasn't at all what they were expecting. When police were looking at the video that was obtained, they saw both girls casually walking into the store and walking around right in the middle of the time they claimed to be abducted. They were later questioned again and told police the entire thing was made up. It was a hoax. They were never kidnapped. Sergeant Troy Killian with the Bountiful Police Department said that they never really got the true story of why they did it, but he said his best guess was that they took a public bus transportation to other towns, stopping a couple times along the way, and weren't able to get back because it was a one-way trip and got stuck. Police believe they spent extra time in the town of Payson, where they bought the duct tape. Both of the teens were eventually charged with filing a false police report. That's going to be it for this one. I know I've been kind of absent the past couple weeks. I've had a lot of behind-the-scenes type things happening, and I promise I'll update everyone on the stuff as soon as I can. One thing that I have spent some time on is over at Patreon already. It's a work in progress, but it'll be revealed to everyone soon enough, along with all the rest. If you just can't wait to see that, along with being able to listen to bonus content and ad-free episodes, head over to patreon.com slash musiccity911 and check it all out. Be sure to follow the show on all the normal social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, And you can also go over to YouTube and watch episodes now. It's just another way of being able to listen to the show. While you're there, be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. Every one of those helps. And what also helps, that I love seeing, is all the five-star ratings and reviews. If you haven't done that yet, be sure to give me one of those on whatever podcast app you listen on. Until next time, for Music City 911, I'm Brandon. And y'all have a good one.